without further ado, Brad Cooper. described as buzzing for Jesus, but I'm in, man. I am in. Hey, y'all grab your cell phone real quick. Can you do that? Grab your cell phone. All right. You've probably done this a time of 10 since you've been here. Um, my cell phone number right here in my pocket. I'm giving it to you right now, okay? It's area code 828. I saw a, a Blackburn up there from the 828. I don't know where you are. They're all over the bottle. Wade, Blackburn, 828. Where are you from, man? Cashers. Come on, Cashers. All right, man. Uh, so I'm 828-606-8406. That's okay. Don't worry. Thank you, man. Thank you, John. What a president. What a servant, man. 828-606-8406. That's my number. Um, when I came to college, <laughs> you know, I thought I had a lot of things figured out. And in a lot of ways, like probably many of you, I did. But um, one of the things that took me a minute to figure out was how to get connected to a church. And I just want to say out loud to you guys, I know a lot of pastors in this area. You guys are blessed. There's some fantastic churches. Um, I'm just one of those guys that's a pastor uh, at one of those churches. But I will do anything to help serve you guys if you guys are looking for a shepherd over these next four years or over the next year or, you know, or, or when you move and you need somebody that you, and I'm just, I mean this with all my heart, that you can just add, I'll shoot you straight. I'm not going to give you my wisdom. I'm going to give you the Bible, and I'll pray with you. I don't care what time it is. I mean that with all my heart. Uh, I was a youth pastor, and I would probably still be in youth ministry today uh, if it hadn't been for some unforeseen circumstances at the church I grew up in, and I got sucked into the lead pastor role uh, in 2016. But I, um, just a bit of my background, I was a ball player here, played football and baseball. God rest your soul, baseball. Um, <laughs> I just saw Jason Donnelly with the athletes a minute ago, and the first thing he says to me is, oh, yeah, you, uh, sorry about the baseball program. I was like, thanks, Jason. I appreciate that. Anyway. Um, but I worked for FCA. I left here to go be a chaplain at Clemson, which is where I went to grad school, and I worked there with Coach Bowden, and Coach Sweeney was then the receiver coach. FCA carried me to being a youth pastor. I've been in this area as a pastor at New Spring Church for 16 years. Um, I didn't know I was going into ministry. I was obviously a Furman grad, got my master's in construction science and management from Clemson, and I'm currently enrolled at Wheaton in seminary on top of that. So that's just a little bit of my background. You saw my family. That's my wife. I met her at Clemson. She's a Clemson Tiger. I tell her about Furman all the time. Uh, so our kids are going to wear purple one way or the other. It's kind of the agreement we have. And um, uh, anyway. Uh, I just want you to know, I'm so excited for y'all's year. So today was, did you guys have class today? Yeah. First day? Yep. First day. So can I tell y'all about my first day of college? <laughs> my first day of college, McLaughlin 200. Anybody McLaughlin? Come on, McLaughlin. McLaughlin 2. I'm so stoked. That was a guy's floor. I guess that's still kind of the way it works. I don't know how it works anymore. Yeah? Is it a blended floor or something? I don't know. It's pretty liberal arts school, you know. You got to watch out. It's like, yeah, we just mix it all up. <laughs> it's wild. You don't know. Am I lying about that or what? It's like, yeah, no, next door. That's guys' room, girls' room. Doesn't matter. Okay. Um, I go to my first class, Spanish, 8 a.m. This is the way it works. This is why not, I didn't go to private school growing up. I was like a public school kid. So a lot of y'all might have grown up in private school. I was not. So I had a thing or two coming at me. I go to my first 8 a.m., get my syllabus. Like, all right, the prof says, all right, I'll see you tomorrow. And it was like 8.15, class is over. 
and you go back to your dorm. I was like, this is so strange. I turned on Sports Center because people actually used to watch Sports Center. It was cool back then. And uh, first day of school, Sports Center. This is wild. I don't have another class till 11. What am I going to do? I was like, I got something to sit here. Oh, I have a mini fridge in my room. I'll have a, you know, no, not a beer. <laughs> Tell you another story then. <laughs> I have a Coke and a Hot Pocket. I've got a microwave in my dorm. Microwave, Coke, Hot Pocket. Didn't care about nutrition at all. I'm a college student. And at like 8.52, a plane flies into a building. That was my first day of college. And the air went out of my first freshman year. Just like that. And I just say that all of a sudden, it was a shocker. So, you know, back in the trimester days at Furman, you started after Labor Day. And so that was the first day after Labor Day, 9-1-1. And uh, I wanted to go home. And I wasn't an anxious kid, but I remember being here like, where am I? What's going on? <coughs> and it's just all crazy. And you start asking some big questions. So what I wanted to share with you guys tonight is um, what I think if... Jesus was here, and I, I literally asked him, what would, what would he share with y'all? So if you've got a, a Bible or your phone, you can open it up and look. I'm going to tell you guys from Luke 15, <coughs> Luke 15, I'm going to share with you a story from right there in, in Luke. I had a completely different message planned, and then when Jason Donnelly invited every athlete to come, I said, you know what? Luke 15 is where we're going. Let's go to Luke 15. So, um, so Luke 15. Now before we get there, if you're clicking there whatever, let me give you the backstory here. So, um, A.W. Tozer. Anybody know who A.W. Tozer is? Okay, brilliant guy. Okay, brilliant. Dan, you should listen to dead pastors. Okay? They can't blow the life up. You know, they actually finished well. Anyway, just what's worth um, And uh, he finished well. A.W. Tozer has a quote. Maybe you've heard of it. Uh, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. That was, that was one of many of his quotes. What comes to your mind right now when I say God? What do you think of? What do you picture? What do you envision? What kind of tone? Based on your upbringing, everybody in this room is smart. I know that. Hello, Furman University. Good to see you. My freshman year, 1405 was the average SAT score. I remember that being like a thing. And uh, I was like, wow, I've never felt so average in my life. <laughs> you know, I had a guy on my baseball team, 1600 SAT. I was like, who are you? There's somebody in this room that's, that's their story. I don't even know. I think they actually changed the scale. They still do 1,600 something? Okay, sorry. All right. All right. So, Jesus, listen to me, is the embodiment of God. When Jesus talks, God talks. That's who he claims to be. Jesus came not as a teacher, not as a prophet, not as a miracle worker. The reason he was put on the cross is because he claimed unapologetically, but incredibly with unreal humility, it was kind of wild, that he's God, okay? So Hebrews 1 actually says that explicitly. He's the exact imprint of the, So when Jesus taught, you want to know what God's like? Watch Jesus. And this one time in Luke, it's recorded that Jesus is talking to a really, really broad spectrum of crowd. These weren't church people. These, these were all kinds of people. So does anybody have their, their uh, phone open to Luke 15 right now? Anybody in the room already got it? You got like you can read it. You yeah. were the first hand I saw, bro. What's your name? Dixon. Dixon. Luke fifteen. One yeah, two, right? one, one and two. Yeah, one and two. yeah. Read, listen, read out loud. You got a good voice, man. Hit us with that, bro. Hit us with it. Listen, <laughs> listen, listen. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, 
And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. That's it. It's amazing. Why did Luke write this? Okay. Um, anybody here comp studies major? Com studies? No comp studies people? Are you also comp? Com, com, com. Okay. It was kind of like sort of in the middle when I was here. Poly slide was the one nobody, you know, it was like this some poly slide. Any poly slide majors here? Do they even call it majors? What do they call it? Emphasis. <laughs> <laughs> it's so wild. Liberal arts school. You gotta take it. Okay. Um, first, first public speaking course I took. The guy, uh, he might still be your soul say his name. He literally wrote the book that he taught out of. Like his name was on the book. Like you go to the bookstore, and it's like seventy eight dollars for this book. Yeah. And then the guy that wrote the book is your prof. You know what I mean? That one on here still. Okay. Same guy. And number one rule of communicating. Does anybody have this number one rule of communicating? Know your audience. It's no more rule of communication. According to my public speaking sophomore year communication studies prop, that I won't say his name. Um, so who is the audience? We just read it. Who is the audience? This is not, I'm, I'm not here giving a lecture. You get that tomorrow. I'm here talking to you guys. Who is the audience? He just read it. And who else? And who else? Sinners, tax collectors, and I heard someone else. Pharisees. And anybody else? Scribes. Okay, so here's the point. What Luke is saying is that Jesus is standing up in front of a broad spectrum. This is every kind of person, right? A sinner, we all know what a sinner is still to this day. So like we know that's colloquial. Tax collector on the record is worse than sinner. Okay? So the point here is that Jesus is trying to let people know who he is. That's what's about to go down. What kind of a God he's representing in Yahweh, his dad, and he's trying to clear the air. Can I just look at you in the eyes? You look at me. One of the things that I believe God wants to do for you is he, he wants to correct any perspective that's not. The enemy does not want you to understand who God is, what he's like. And Jesus is absolutely all about you understanding what God is like. And in this moment, in Luke 15, people didn't know what God was like. They weren't sure. They had the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. Okay. Uh, the, the Pharisees and the scribes kind of projected one thing and tax collectors and sinners thought another but one of the coolest features of Jesus listen to me, is that people who were not like him, liked him did you get that little turn phrase? people who were not like Jesus, liked him this is so rare so this is one of the embodiments of Christ so you've got tax collectors and religious Pharisees and scribes this is like, he's showing you the two polar opposites and now he's going to tell three stories in a row Okay, they're known as, what do you guys know what the stories Jesus tells are? They're called parables. parables. Okay, anybody know what a parable means? Breaking down some words, etymology. Come on, Furman University, show off right here. What does parable mean? A metaphor. Okay, it's a metaphor. It's two words. Para means what? Anybody know? Like para church, para shoot, para certainly other words. So I did better on the SAT than I did. Para whatever. Okay, alongside. So the, a parable was a story thrown alongside to give understanding. He's going to tell three back to back to back. This rabbi is going to tell three stories. All right, um, look at it, verse three. Anybody got their text open? What's the first story he tells? We're not going to read it, but what is it? What's it about? A lost sheep. Okay, this is a super. But you ain't go to church to know this one. Jesus is the good shepherd, right? Anybody see the picture of Jesus with that sheep over his shoulders, just looking so kind? You know what I'm talking about, right? The lost sheep. What, what is Jesus? Articulate about this lost sheep that he's willing to do what? Leave the 99. Leave the 99. 
He's willing to leave the 99 field one. So he tells this story. That I want you to understand the heart here of God. He's the kind of God that leaves the, the 99 for the one. That's kind of the kind of God he is. And when he comes back, he throws a party to celebrate. Okay, that's parable number one. What was parable number two? You're looking down in your text. What's it say? There's this lost sheep, and then he tells a story about a what? A lost, a lost coin. You guys are on this. Awesome. All right, so this is the story of a lady cleaning her house. Anybody that's like a super clean freak in here, point them out. Point them out. You're already you're self-identifying. Point them out. Yes. Do they still not have um, uh, wash, uh, dishwashers in North Village? It's garbage, isn't it? Isn't that just mad? You know, I appreciate it because when I became a husband and a dad, I know my way around washing a dish. Okay, everybody knows the roommate that can't take it. Like, there's some roommates that you can take it. You can live in the building. You're okay with it. Like, you're stacking dishes up, but then there's that one roommate that cannot take it. I don't know who you are. Are you this person? Are you this person? No. Right here? Yeah. You can't take it? I can't take it. Yeah. So, it, it, like, you've got, like, deep passive aggressiveness inside of you. <laughs> but at the same time, you're not going to let them, like, stack up and you start to smell the dishes. they got to be clean. they got to be clean. I'm this person, firstborn. Where are my firstborns at? Okay. This is me. Can't handle it. Take the trash out. Don't put the bag beside it. Take the trash out. Get the dishes clean. Okay, okay, okay. This is who this woman is. She's got a lost coin. And she starts cleaning up the house, moving everything out to find the coin. And when she finds it, what does she do? And then this most famous, probably the most quintessential parable that Jesus ever tells is the story that I'd like to read tonight. And listen to me. Look at me in the whites of my eyes. I want you to please, if you, maybe you grew up in church, maybe you've never really been around church, maybe you kind of got a per perspective, but you're here tonight, and you're leaning in. Would you let God tell you his heart and his character by the words of his son about how he feels about you and me through this parable. Let's read it, okay? I've got, well, I, I always feel like I have to kind of give an explanation about my Bible. I know it's, it's, it's freaking big, okay? I don't, I, I, I used to carry like a, a thin line Bible. I liked it. But the reason this Bible is big is because it's one of these note section Bibles. And I want to, um, this is also why I don't do iPod Bible. I, I, I got an iPod right here. I got my Bible on I'm giving this Bible to my kiddos. So each year I go through it, and I want my kids to have it. So I write my, this is for my firstborn, I'm writing her notes in it, and I just, I'm commending this to you. You should think about this. You shouldn't have a kid next week or anything, but <laughs> unless you, you know, talk to Jesus about that and work all that out in his way, but functionally, this is a really good idea, okay? So you can't hand down your, like, you know, version Bible code to your kid. I get to give this to my firstborn, Campbell. This one's for her. My next one, Mary Bradford, will be for her, and then my son. Okay, so I feel like I've got to give an explanation. All right, back to Luke 15. Are you with me? I didn't have any caffeine. This is just the way I am, okay? <laughs> All right, Luke 15. Let's get there, and let's read this story real quick about the lost son. It's a Bible drill. All right, here we go. And then, after these two parables, Jesus said, and he says, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his dad, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And the dad divided his property between them, not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and he took a journey into a far country and there he squandered his property in reckless living. Pause, look at me. This would have been the equivalent, okay, this was back in the day, it's still semi-like this. This is telling, telling dad, dad, I don't want relationship. 
You're as good as dead to me. I want stuff. I want your stuff. I don't want you. This would have shocked the room. This would have, I mean, we're in 2022. It still would be shocking today if you're like, Mom, Dad, hook me up with whatever's coming to me. Don't want to see. But back in a patriarchal society in first century here, this would have been wildly shocking. But the father responds by doing it. Gives the stuff. Okay? Pick it up, 14. And when he spent everything, he's living in this far off land, he spends all dad's money. A severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. Pause. Cultural moment right here. Pigs. Anybody know anything about Jewish people? Anybody? anybody right. They don't do pigs. Don't do pigs. Not kosher. Okay? Praise God we have Acts 10. That's why you and I can eat bacon today. But this is not in that moment yet. And so, uh, anyway, this would have been like lowest of lows. So the Jewish kid... Ask dad for all his stuff. Dad gives it to him. He squanders all his stuff. And the next thing you know, he's feeding pigs. So this is saying some things in that culture. Whoa. All right? Let's pick it back up. 16. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. 17. But when he came to himself, if you've got a little highlighter, I want you to highlight that. That is so critical. It's a big, big deal. He comes to himself. He has this lightning bolt moment, this this. Eyes open moment, comes to himself. He says, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. I will say to him, Dad, Abba, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as your hired servant. So he catches this. He's like, he's practicing his speech. You see that? He's, here's what I need to say to dad. I don't want to be just a hired servant, dad. I treat me like a hired servant. He's practicing his speech. 21. And the son, he, he uh, or 20, and he rose and he came to his father. But while, watch this, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he felt compassion. He ran and embraced him and he kissed him. This is so important. Jesus is sharing the heart with this parable of God. That God's looking, compassion in his heart, and is willing to do something massively undignified. Old people, senior patriarchs, don't move fast in this culture. It is a thing, right? Like it would have been wild to see this old man hike up his... You know, if you've ever been to the Middle East, you might have been to Israel, have you been to the Middle East? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay cool. Um, I'm actually going there on Sunday afternoon. Isn't that wild? It's been canceled for three years. Finally getting to go. I'm excited about it. But there, everybody wears like long clothes because it's hot. It's like living in shade. It's like a, it's like a Snuggie, except it's not. Anyway, <laughs> y'all know what a Snuggie is? Everybody know what a Snuggie is? Okay, I'm not like aging myself out, am I? Okay. So dad pulls those stuff, runs after him, shows compassion, and watch what he does. And the son says to his father, here he goes. He's going to hit him with the speech. Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father cuts him off. And he says to his servants, bring quickly the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this son, this son of mine, he was dead. Now he's alive. He was lost. And now he's found. And so they begin to celebrate. Now I'm going to pause right here. We're going to move on in just a moment. But let's just, let's just take, a, let's be an investigator right here for a second. So the, the younger son 
wants relationship with dad or wants dad stuff at the beginning? We talked about it. What's more stuff? Pause. Is that not so true if we're just being evaluatory of me and you? Like, yeah, I mean God, but really, his stuff. I mean his stuff. Creation. Created things. Paul talks about this in Romans 1. That it's humanity's not just tendency, it's actually our innate character to settle our eyes and desire created stuff instead of creator God. He's telling the same story, and he's saying this son, he, he was a son of God, but he wanted his stuff. One of the things that I want to invite you to do is to lift your eyes. And, and, and not if you're a Christ follower in the room, not settle for stuff, not settle for shiny, not settle for trinkets, not settle for relationship with the opposite sex or the social life or the scene or the, uh, the great internship or the graduate thing. Don't just let God be kind of this distant thing and you settle for his stuff. Otherwise, we're doing the same thing. Second thing I want to just point out here, this super observation. The son wants the stuff and what does, what does God do? Does he say no or does he say yes? Yeah, he gives him the stuff. Can I just tell you that God will let you have his stuff. He'll let you enjoy sunrises and sunsets, love, laughter. He'll let you enjoy great friendships. He actually says that he lets the rain fall on both his people and, and people that don't worship him alike. That it, it falls on the righteous and the wicked. He'll, he'll do this. But there's, there's this moment where the son comes to his senses. Now, I don't know if you've ever had one of these moments. But I absolutely had one of these moments, and I've had several since, where it's like you have this like revelatory moment where you see how great God is, and it just, whoa, blows your mind. Like, oh, my goodness. Like, I went by right before here, um, I went by G108 North Village. You might live in G Building, North Village, come on. You really live in? Yeah, 107. Right next door. Oh, my goodness. So, okay, all of uh, my very best friends in life lived in G108. I didn't live in G108. I lived in the back of North Village. Um, but we were lovingly known as G108 plus Coop. Coop is me. And that, that was who we were. We were they were all one year older than me. I slept on the floor G108, like all through college. And uh, these guys are still all over the place and some great friends. I was in all their weddings. They were in mine uh, 22 years ago. Anyway, um, so I don't even remember why I brought that up. <laughs> so uh, G108. So I just remember having a revelation, a revelatory moment there. Um, of just God's kindness in college. Worship services that we had in G108 at like 1.30 in the morning. I know that might sound crazy, but it was like awesome. You know, uh, one of my buddies is way musical. I have zero musical ability. He's kind of like, ties up here, leading out, doing his thing. I got none of that. You hear my voice? I can't do that. Um, but the, the son comes to his senses. Now, what did the son do when he was forming the speech? What did he say? I, I need to do what? what? What do I need to do? What did he say? What did he say? What did the son say? Look at it. Somebody in the back said it. Okay, look, this is an identity issue. He no longer sees himself as son. He sees himself as what? This is, this is our tendency. We come to our senses and we want to put ourselves in, man, I'm not a son. I'm not a, I'm not a daughter. I'm a servant now. I can earn it back. I can earn it back. I'll never be like a son. But I can get back into family and so he comes to dad. He's got his speech ready. Now, first of all, he didn't even have to get to the door. Because what was dad doing the whole time? 
Can you just feel the, the, the heart of Father God? He's looking. He's looking. I just want to say this. Would you look at me in the eyes? I have no idea where you and the Lord are tonight. But I want you to know He's looking at you. And He doesn't have, He doesn't have, I told you so, in His mouth. He doesn't have lightning bolts. That's Zeus. That's not God. Hello? We are in the first uh, world westernized reality where we've got this weird platonic influence. That's a reference to Plato. Platonic influence on our Christianity. God doesn't throw lightning bolts, friends. He has compassion in his heart. And it's his kindness that leads us to change. That's what the Bible tells us. And so he runs and meets the son. The son's got this speech about, I'm going to be a good servant. Dad doesn't even bring the animal. Bring the robe. Put my, my identity, the ring, the signet ring, this was the identity. This is my son. He can sign my stuff. The robe, right? Remember Joseph? What did Joseph get from his dad? Same idea. This is, this, is, this is what I put on my firstborn. But that's why it was weird for Joseph because he wasn't the firstborn. Anyway, he gets the identity. He gets the celebration. And this is, I just want some of us, our tendency here, depending on where you in life, you might have wanted God's stuff. And you might come to your senses. And you might say, well, I'm going to be a servant. He's going to cut you off. He's going to give you the stuff that that's what you want until you come to your senses. I just, I just want you to know, he loves you enough to not let you come and just be a servant. You'll be his servant, but you won't be his servant to earn his, his fatherhood. You'll be his servant because you are his son or daughter in Christ. That's what Jesus is sharing here. So he puts a button in that. The people start celebrating. And the sound of celebration, the actual um, Greek here, back in the original language, it gives the, the verbiage here that you could feel the celebration, not just hear it. You can, you can feel the celebration. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? The K.A. Smoker, Blind Horse Saloon. Right? You feel the celebration? They still do that? No, it's not. Y'all don't even know what Blind Horse Saloon is, do you? A bunch of good Christians. I like you. It's a line dancing place. It's behind Krispy Kreme Donuts Park. Anyway, I don't even know if they exist anymore. Like um, that is where the K.A. Smoker was. The K.A. still do still, still a smoker? <laughs> wow! Okay, well, anyway, you can feel the celebration to the point. So these people could feel the celebration. Could feel the celebration. And who's feeling the celebration? Pick it up 25, 15, 25. Now his older son, oh my goodness, he has another son. Oh, that's right, it said he had two. The older son was in the field. And as he came and he drew near to the house, he heard the music and dancing. That and dancing? How do you hear dancing? You feel what I'm saying? That's some celebration right there. What kind of dance are they doing? Anyway, heard the dancing. He called one of the servants and he asked what these things meant. And the servant says, your brother has come. Your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry. He refused to go in. So what does the father do for the older son? Watch this. His father came out and entreated him. Every one of us in the room has a tendency to be in one of two of these camps. Either way, the Father's pursuing you. Either way, the Father's pursuing you. The Father comes out, pursues the older son as well, entreats him, but he answers his father. So instead of the father speaking, the older brother cuts the dad off. You see this? It's a complete reversal. It's called a chiasm. It's a reversal of what God did for the younger son. He cut the son off and said, no, 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 let me tell you something. Bring the back... The, the older brother cuts off the dad. And he says, Dad, look, 
These many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, this, did he, what do you call him? But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. Now let me just pause right here. A couple of things are happening. One, what did, what did, what did he say his brother's name was? Did he say my brother? No, what did he call him? Another identity issue. So he's projecting the wrong identity. He's, he's putting a wrong identity. This son of yours instead of his brother. Right? Second thing I want to point out right here that he, that he does. He puts some, some descriptors on him. Now, I, I don't know why I've never seen this, but I was studying this a couple years ago. Do we know that the... It describes him as wild living. But do we know that he spent all the money on prostitutes? No, we don't. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't know that he might have, but I'm just saying that's an argument from silence. What I believe is going on here is the older brother is putting, putting that judgment on him. This son of yours that squandered your stuff with this living and prostitutes and blah, 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 blah. We don't know that. That's not in the text. Jesus didn't say that. He, he did say he spent all his money in, in wild living. But maybe it was in the beard, not in the prostitutes. We don't know, right? That's supposed to be a joke. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm pointing this out. Look at the way that this son responds. He misses the identity of his brothers and sisters. And then he also keeps judgment. And then he's cutting dad off. He's not letting dad speak. But dad finally gets a word in right at the end. And he says, son. He calls him son too. Son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And that's the end of the parable. So again, I'm almost done. You with me? Let me say I'm with you. Okay. Um, what Jesus was doing here was he was trying desperately to clear up the confusion. Anybody ever had a really big misunderstanding with anything? Like, I mean, I'm talking about a big misunderstanding. Nick came with me tonight. Uh, Nick just waved so people stand okay. So Nick is a part of the church. We've gotten to know each other. And, and so uh, he just moved to Anderson. We've known each other for a while. And um, anyway, the funny thing is, Nick and I got coffee earlier this week. And then I was like, hey, man, I'm going to speak at Furman. And we've just been trying to hang out more. He's a new dad. Um, and, and I was like, you want to come with me? He's like, yeah, I'd love to come every to Furman. I've been in North Greenville. Um, I, I've been to Bob Jones. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Um, never in Furman. I said, come on, man, that'd be great. I said, um, uh, we'll leave 545. We'll go by Stacks Original. We'll get meet and three. It'll be, I think, you know, there's this, the service starts at like right after 8. We'll, we'll back around 10 and, uh, you know, talk to your wife. She's going, he said, yeah, that'd be great. Um, our kiddo sleeps until uh, 730. Awesome, great. So, all right, great. This morning, I get a text. Hey, whenever you're ready, I'm in the driveway. <laughs> Now, I was up. My wife goes to the gym at 5.15 on uh, Tuesdays. I go on Monday and Wednesday, so tomorrow it's my turn. I was up, but, man, it was a big misunderstanding. And it was funny. We were kind of laughing about it. And so he, you know, got up and got his own stuff done. But, it's, man, it's, we just missed, right, misunderstanding. Hey, listen, I think a lot, a lot of the world, and the enemy's doing this, wants to paint the God of the Bible wrong. And Jesus is standing up in this crowd there 2,000 years ago, 
It says, I want you to catch his heart. See what God's like. He's, he's like a shepherd that finds a lost sheep. We'll go after the sheep. We'll go after the sheep and come back and celebrate when he finds the one. He's, he's like, he's searching, just like that lady looking for the coin. And when he finds it, he's going to celebrate. He's, he's like this dad. This dad has got two sons. And he's going to let both the sons take their own course. One of them's going to just kind of be religious. One of them's going to be rebellious. And they're going to choose those paths. But the dad's looking for both of them. He's going to pursue them both. And he's going to let them with compassion in his heart feel what he's like. And so Jesus is telling that crowd 2,000 years ago, there's been a big misunderstanding. Religion has painted God away. But do you see what he's like? Hey, 2022 Furman University. Denominations can paint God away. Church history can paint God away. Pain and suffering and lies from the enemy can paint God away. But would you let Jesus speak to you tonight with compassion in his heart and say, I'm, I'm looking for you. I'm looking for you. I love you. I, I just I want relationship with you. And, and I'd be willing to come after you if you just come to your senses. I'd, I'd be willing to celebrate with you. I want to do life with you. You were made and designed for this life. It's not just religious activity and going to church on Sunday once in a while to kind of feel good. It's not like living just moral. This is what we were designed for. We were made for relationship with God in a garden. We were made for enjoyment of God and enjoyment of relationship with one another. Sin shatters that. Y'all know the story. Christ comes back and redeems it. He redeems it in a garden. As he prays and then goes to the cross, resurrects in power, and then says, I'm going to come back one day to bring you to the garden city. And I want relationship with you. Please don't let there be a big misunderstanding. He's looking for you. He's looking for you. He want, I don't know your story. I don't know if you've had pain in your past. I don't know if something bad. Cra Last time I was here, there was a little girl here tonight. And she lost, lost a friend that week. It was a gal on the lacrosse team. She lost a friend that week from back home. And she ended up texting me like I gave y'all my number. Texted me asking. She hadn't shared that. She texted me after the fact saying, I'm, just, I'm dealing with some things in my life because I lost a friend. I just don't know why God would let that happen. I just want you to know, if, if it's not good yet, it's not over. Eternity's not 75 years. Eternity's forever. And God's got a plan. And he wants you to know he loves you. And I just want to ask you a question. Look at me. What are you going to do about your sin? How are you going to get forgiveness? Nobody else is offering it. Nobody. No other religion does. Every other religion that you'll hear about in the religion department, I was telling somebody earlier, religious major, our, our most devout religious professor, self-identified while I was here, is a Buddha Baptist. Oh, that is interesting. <laughs> Firm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Every other religion says, you've got to do this. Jesus in Christianity is the only one that's not intimidated by our sin and brokenness. He comes down and says, I'll take it on. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might receive the righteousness of God. That's, that's why the cross is so important. Jesus, C.S. Lewis, brilliant. 
brilliant thinker, atheist for a long time, brilliant thinker, but he came to the conclusion, maybe many of you know it, where if Jesus is self-identified who he is, then you've only got three conclusions you could come to. He's either lying, because he's not God. He's either a lunatic, because he's crazy, or he's the Lord, and that's just true. So I just want to look at you, and I want to ask you, who is God to you? Who is Jesus to you? Is he a liar? Can you look at him and say, lies? There's, listen, there's extra biblical evidence that can prove all of that. You can do the search there, all right? He's either a lunatic, and there's plenty of people all over the world right now that would tell you that they're God, right? I mean, we go any any psych, psychiatric hospital, anybody, you know, gets off on, on their whatever, and they'll tell you they're God. That ha- that's happened for all. So he's either a liar, a lunatic, or he really is the Lord. He's really the Lord. And I, I, I'm just here telling you, I, I, I think he's the Lord. And he's made a way for forgiveness. And he's come to share his heart with the world in the scriptures, and he said, please, I think there's been a big misunderstanding. Don't let religion speak for me. Don't let pain speak for me. Let me speak for me. Let me show you my heart. I'm after the lost, and I've come that we might have a relationship, not just some kind of religious activity, like real relationship that will carry you through everything in life, up and down, and will be with you on that day. That day when you're on your deathbed, maybe you're 87, and it's been a good ride. Or maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe it's like my sophomore year here. We had a fantastic soccer team, Elite Eight the year before, Clint Dempsey, World Cup player, same year as me, here. And just maybe like it was like right here this time of year. We went and got in the car, I was telling Nick this early, got in the car, went to a concert, and then on the way back, they got in a wreck. Two soccer players died, a couple more in the hospital. The whole team ended up transferring, went all over the place because they couldn't deal with it. And I know every one of those kids thought, man, I'm living, I'm living forever. This is college. I'm, man, this is my sophomore year. So I mean, I'm just telling you, you don't know what tomorrow holds. You just don't. And I just want you to hear in love, Jesus has made a way to give you forgiveness. If you need forgiveness tonight, all you got to do is ask him to forgive you. Ask him. Ask him. You don't have to clean up to show up to him. He will meet you right where you are. He'll throw his arms around you. He'll throw his identity on you. He'll give you his authority. It's crazy, man. Jesus Christ is the greatest deal going. And I just got to sit here tonight to tell you, I think there's been a big misunderstanding. I think a lot of people have tried to paint God wrong, paint Jesus wrong, and Jesus speaks for himself in the scripture. The most brilliant people in human history have searched it out and found that Jesus Christ and Christianity holds the test. It meets the demands of reality. G.K. Chesterton, brilliant guy. One of the things he talked about is the gospel meets the demands of reality. But God gives us the dignity of a decision. So I just want to close tonight and ask, have you made the decision? Have you made the decision to say yes to Jesus Christ? To give him your life? To invite him into your your life? And not be perfect, but to invite him to give him control. You're going to king something in your life. You're going to king something this semester. You're going to put a crown on some co-ed or some sport or some goal, but what's going to happen, and this is so crazy, I'm, I'm studying Solomon right now, I'm almost done, Solomon had every resource you could ever have, and he could not find satisfaction, we live in a world that on social media puts up worlds that we will never, you'll never get, you'll never have endless resource, Solomon had a thousand lives, okay, translation, he ran out of fantasies, couldn't come up with another way, ran out, 
had everything in known world to possess. And he's going, this is vanity of vanities. We live in a world where because of social media and first world issue, we think we can have everything. And one day I'm going to be satisfied if I just could get to this. If I get to this, I get, I get, and you're never going to be satisfied. There's St. Augustine, brilliant, said that we are going to be restless until we find our rest in God. Mm -hmm. Have you found your rest in Him? Have you found your rest in God? So, you got my cell phone number, right? Remember what it was? 828-606-8406. If I can help you take your next step in a relationship with Jesus, I don't have to. I'm just making myself available. You can, you, you can tonight say, Jesus, I want you to be my God. I need your forgiveness. And man, supernatural. I've seen it thousands of times. Saw it in friendships at Furman. And they're still walking with God. It's crazy. Okay? My uh, freshman year, I'm on the baseball team. Had a guy on my team, 1500 SAT, came from Indiana. He gave me grief. We're in the dining hall. Um, I just, I'll tell you what, I had a nickname on the baseball team. This is probably too crass, but I'm just giving you the real, real. Can I be real, real with y'all? Is that okay? Ladies, I apologize in advance. Okay. My nickname on the baseball team back then from the freshmen around me was, um, they called me uh, a WAP, okay, which is a derogatory term if you know this from back in the day, but it was W-O-P. I was a waste of penis because I wouldn't have sexual relationship with somebody that wasn't my wife, and they knew that. Now, it was kind of one of those things that in locker room talk was done in jest, and it happened all the time. And day after day after day, these guys, they, they, they would just, they, they, I mean, they were great. They were all conference freshmen, and they, hey, Coop, man, Sin equals win, bro. You, if you just start sinning a little bit more, man, maybe things start working out for you a little bit better on the baseball field. You know, stop being a wop. You know, we're going to go do this, we're going to go do that. Okay, that was freshman year. Uh, Pat ended up being all conference, transferred to a big school. Two years later, I get a phone call. It's Pat. I don't talk to Pat ever. I haven't talked to him in two years. Pat calls me, and he's crying on the phone. One of the smartest guys I knew. So, so strong or projected that. Pat, what's up, man? I said, man, I got to talk to somebody. I didn't know who to call. Call me. All right, man, what's going on? Man, ends up sharing this story about he just found out that his, his girlfriend that he's been dating is pregnant. And, uh, but he said that, and I'm like, oh, man, that's okay, man. That's, you're going to be a great dad. I'm trying to, you know. He said, no, man, that's not it. I just found out that she was pregnant. And she didn't tell me. But she told me she got an abortion. And I can't deal with this. I don't know. I, I've never felt this feeling in my life. And he's, he's crying, like a grown man crying. He didn't know what to do with that guilt. We start talking a little bit more, y'all. It, it's crazy. He says, I gotta talk, I gotta, I gotta get this off my chest. The, this is so painful, Coop. The reason I wanted to call you is because. She doesn't know this, but I've been cheating on her. And the girl I've been cheating on got pregnant and had an abortion last month. And I don't know what to do with this. I don't know what to do with this. He's crying over the phone. I'm, I'm up back home in North Carolina. I'm on my phone. I'm praying with my friend for, for listen, I, I, this was literally the last phone call I've ever had with Pat. I don't know where he is in the earth, but he kept my number. 
We talked on the phone. We prayed and asked Jesus Christ to forgive him, to fill up his life. He grew up in kind of a Catholic context, sort of ish. He felt like he is under demonic oppression. But here's all I'm going to say. He knew that the Jesus Christ that was in some of the believers on the team that was real. And that he didn't know where to go with his grief. And he didn't know where to take. He knew there was no earning back this. This wasn't I got a little drunk on the weekend where I could justify that by doing something good like going to the, you know, the we're going to get uh, next Thursday night. What's the thing we're doing next Thursday? Yeah. We're going to do some hunger things for the local food shelters and whatever. He wasn't going to be able to justify that. This was like a life. He didn't know where to take this. <coughs> but the good news is Jesus Christ has an unbelievable solution for our sinfulness and brokenness. Unbelievable. He's got a solution. But what he doesn't have a solution for is us not bringing our sinfulness to him. The solution for that is the path you and I choose. So I know that's heavy, but that's the real life. And Jesus Christ loves you enough to say, don't let, you, don't let your freshman year start by not understanding who God is. He wants a relationship with you. He desires that. He'll come with compassion. He doesn't have judgment. He's got compassion. He'll cover you. All right? He'll cover you. But you've got you've to come to your senses. And you've got to invite him. The Bible says the word is repent. And all that word means is get heaven's view on the matter. Get heaven's view on the matter. 